Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're completing what we began in June of 2019, almost two years ago. We will complete the expository preaching series through the Gospel of Mark. Now, the last 12 verses of this book are not in the original manuscripts, but they were added later, and they're marked as such in your Bibles. Have you ever heard someone argue that we can't rely on our Bibles because after years and years of being passed down and translated, there's no way to know what it originally said? Well, if you know the facts, they tell an entirely different story. In fact, no other historical work of literature even comes close by comparison. Pastor Jim will take this opportunity at the end of Mark to do something a little bit different this week, and you'll likely learn something about how we know that the Bibles we now have represent extremely accurately what was originally written over 2,000 years ago. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Perfect End of Mark. Well, we come today to um, the end of Mark. We spent a long time in Mark. We held off on uh, chapter 16 until last Lord's Day for Easter. And now we have some more words on the page. And this section at the end of Mark gives us a good reason for a very unusual sermon. Chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, if you look at your Bible, it probably is in brackets. Most of the Bibles today, that's the case. Or maybe there's a marginal note or a footnote explaining something about these 12 verses not being in the best manuscripts. We're going to look at that today, and I trust in the end this is going to increase your confidence in the Bible that you hold in your hands. I remember many years ago, I I dealt with a question about this passage in response to a Provoke the Pastor series, that question and answer thing we do every summer. I explained why we don't regard this as part of Mark, as Mark initially wrote it. And I also showed that nothing in the passage is specifically heretical. Well, I haven't changed my view about any of that one bit. What I have changed is my attitude toward dealing with this. Providentially, my friend uh, John MacArthur chose the book of Mark to be the final one of his 43-year preaching series and writing series, writing a set of commentaries on the entire New Testament. I remember when he signed that contract, and I remember uh, spraining something in my head, rolling my eyes and saying, you're going to do what? Well, he, he did it. Well, that meant that the final sermon in that long sequence was on this passage. I happened to hear John reprise that sermon at the next Shepherds Conference after he had finished Mark, and I decided that very day that someday I was going to do my own version of it. Well, welcome to that day. It has arrived. 
Now, it's not that I can improve on what I heard John say. As a matter of fact, I edited a lot to fit the amount of time that we have available. But this is going to to pull back the curtain and show you what lies behind that precious translation of the Bible that you read every day. Now, all translations of Scripture, unless you're reading biblical Greek or Hebrew, you're, you're reading a translation, they're all based on ancient sources, ancient sources that have been compared by very good, fastidious, careful scholars over the centuries, so that I can say to you unequivocally that the Bible that you hold in your hand, if you have a formal equivalence translation, one that seeks to be faithful to the original, what you have in your hand is an accurate Bible. Now, yours is printed and bound. The printing press, though, is a fairly newcomer on the scene, looking in the broad span of history. The printing press didn't show up until around A.D. 1500. So everything up until that time was copied by hand. The scribes who did that understood the seriousness of what they did. They knew what they had before them. They copied it with a a care and and rigor that would be unknown to most of us today because they understood they were dealing with Holy Scripture. Now, there are lots of documents from antiquity, but nothing in ancient literature even comes close to the mass of manuscripts that we have of the New Testament. Now, today, uh, the number may even continue to go up, but today we have roughly 25,000 manuscripts of various kinds of all or part of the New Testament. They demonstrate a spectacular uniformity and consistency. Of those 25,000 manuscripts, there are about 5,600 Greek manuscripts, and they go way back. That's the original language that the New Testament was written in. We have Greek manuscripts from as far back as the 2nd century and the 3rd century. And bear in mind, Jesus died in 33 AD. John the Apostle didn't die until just toward the end of the 1st century. So, we have all of these manuscripts. Now, I'm not going to give you a huge lesson in, um, in uh, archaeology and manuscript studies because it's hard enough to keep you awake when you're here, let alone when uh, I am by remote control. But uh, manuscripts are labeled, of course. They tend to be numbered and or named according to people who found them and the location where they were found. There is a manuscript called P-52, that's not an airplane, it's not a rock group, P-52, it has parts of the Gospel of John, and it dates from somewhere between 100 and 150 A.D. That, that little manuscript is likely uh, a first or second copy from the original that the Apostle John wrote. There's a famous papyrus called the Chester Beatty Papyrus. I'll give you one guess at who discovered it. Uh, It has all four Gospels and the book of Acts, and it dates from around 200. You see, God providentially preserved 
these ancient texts, these copies, very close to the originals. A papyrus, when you think of a scroll, rolled up. That's, that's the format upon which we find those things. A bound volume, rather than a scroll, is called a, a codex. Uh, there are two of them that are especially important. The first one is called Sinaiticus. It's from around 350 A.D., and it contains the whole New Testament. The second one is called Vaticanus. I'll give you a wild guess where the library is where that one was discovered. It's from around 325, and it contains the whole Bible. Now, by the way, I'll just tip my hat here about the Gospel of Mark. Both Sinaiticus and Vaticanus end the book of Mark at chapter 16, verse 8. More about that later. Now, we also have 8,000 copies of the New Testament in Latin. It's called the Vulgate. Vulgate from vulgar, the common language of the everyday people. When you all spoke Latin, that's what that was. Uh, The Vulgate dates from 382 to 405. We also have more than 350 copies of the Bible in Syriac, the, the version of the Semitic languages that was spoken in Syria. It goes way back to the 200s. Now, you don't need to know all of those details. That is not going to be on the entrance test for heaven. You do well, though, to understand why they are so important. We have all of these ancient manuscripts that when they are carefully compared, they all say the same thing. It's very common for people who want to reject Scripture to, um, to, to say that we really don't know what the original said, and, and that's patently false. Let me give you a comparison. We, said we have about 25,000 manuscripts of various forms of the New Testament. The second most common ancient document in the manuscript world is Homer's Iliad. Maybe you had to read the Iliad. I bet you read a translation of it if you did. Next to the New Testament, there are more copies of Homer's Iliad than any other ancient piece of literature. There are a whopping 643 copies of the Iliad in existence, compared to 25,000 of the New Testament. And by the way, the oldest copy we have of the Iliad is from the 13th century AD, and Homer wrote it in the 8th century BC. So there's 2,100 years between when Homer wrote it and the, and the oldest copy that we have compared to the New Testament, where we have a span of, I don't know, 40 to 100 years from when it was written. Now, go on to a college campus these days and quote Homer, and you'll be considered scholarly. Go on to a college campus and quote Jesus, and you'll be considered silly and uneducated. See, it it has a lot to do with what the facts really are. Now, what's so amazing about this is that these are all hand copies. And you say, well, you mean that in all of that copying, there were no errors? No, we don't say that. They made mistakes. They did introduce errors. That's why when we speak of inerrancy, we talk about the original writings. Sometimes they would put in a wrong word. 
you've done that. Um, sometimes they would put in a, a wrong spelling. There was no scribe named autocorrect. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.